Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me are Cody, Sam, Jill and Alex, and producer Terry. This week we're here to talk about The Pilot, written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Lawrence Goff, aired April 15th, 2017. Cody. Get a shift on. What did you think of this one? I made it through the whole thing without falling asleep. And then I fell asleep. Ooh. <laughs> a ringing endorsement. <laughs> I think this is probably the weakest introduction of a new, what do you call him, companion that I've seen. Ooh, uh, you're gonna, you go. you're gonna find. I think that you're in the minority. Agreed. Agreed All right, that Jill, he's, no, 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 no. Agreed that he's in the minority. Yeah, I get you. What oh, do you okay. think, Jill? I thought, so we talked about it a little bit last week, I'm pretty sure, in the real recording, um, that it's a really good pilot, and I totally agree. Like, everything's explained as if you're a dummy, which is kind of nice for dummies like me. And um, I, I had some issues with things, but I think overall story-wise, it was really engaging. Again, there was just a lot of background and apparently some throwbacks for you classic Who fans because Alex kept pointing them out. But you get there's a lot of fun stuff along with just explaining who the Doctor is and the TARDIS and his mission, I guess. Terry, what was it like for dummies like you? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Jake. I don't know. I was disappointed with this episode. Honestly. Ah, shit. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah sorry. No, it was... This like, episode divides. The high of all of last season, of just all the adventures and everything like that, and then jumping right into this one, it felt... Keep in mind, like Terry, I... that season ended. There was a Christmas episode months later, and then a whole year, another Christmas episode, and then months after that, this started. So it's, we're not jumping right in. Like, there's a oh, big time that's, there. That's something I'm going to bring up later. But, uh, uh, Sam, what'd you think? It was fine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All of you were terrible. Really, I really wasn't. I Jill's feel like it could have been a better <laughs> introduction for the new character. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I'm not in love with Bill yet. I don't dislike her, though, so that's a positive. She's a fine character, but I feel like it could have been a better episode for her. Alex, this episode is great, and it has everything. It's so good. <laughs> it's everything. It's everything. Um, Jake. I will tell you that when this first aired, because of exactly what Alex is saying, that apart from two Christmas specials, it had been 17 months since we had a proper series and i believe at the time i was a little 
a little bummed by just the non-majesty of it. First of all, it's only 50 minutes long, whereas we were getting used to, in the Capaldi era, extra-long premieres and and uh, finales. But also, there's no... There's nothing kind of... Well, apart from the vault, there's really nothing setting up like a big story. But that was 100% on purpose. This is meant to be a new jumping-on point. And we'll talk about the specifics of it, you know, as we go on. But uh, watching it today, uh, which is probably... Like, I, I don't rewatch it very often, but it's probably only like the third or fourth time I've seen it. But I had a fucking great time watching it today. Same. <laughs> I, I do. Okay. So the, the episode's not bad. That's the primary point. But like, what is the big, holy shit, this episode's great here. Like, I don't know it and it, I need to know it. It was, it was how it was drawing in uh, like new people. So like, the kind of explaining, not explaining stuff. Like, it's a Dalek. Well, what's a Dalek? I don't know. It's, it's a Dalek. Don't worry about it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that kind of stuff made me excited. Plus seeing, um, like, Bill, because there was a lot of Bill figuring things out. Like, the doctor was in probably 75% of it, and the rest of it, like, it was just kind of Bill, you know? And that stuff was great. Like, she was cool. Um, you got, like, a little bit of her backstory, like, kind of how we did with Rose, where it was just like her day to like Rose had the day to day working at the shop. Bill had her day to day doing the chips and then like being a pseudo college kid, like partying it out. And it was, it was just neat. And then like the doctors uh, being a professor at this college, like that was really cool. Um, For his, 80 his whole room. years, 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was just neat. The, the yeah, monster the... was great. The CG was great. Well, let's, Let's not blow through the whole story all at once here, Alex. <laughs> let's let's make one point at a time well, and then let the others speak. I will I will ask the others. So you guys that said it wasn't a the great others. intro to <laughs> Bill, like it was missing something. What more would you have wanted to have for Bill in this episode? Uh, before you all answer, I would like to point <laughs> out last week I asked you what you would want in a new companion. And to a person, you said you wanted a normal girl that isn't <laughs> super special and that's exactly what you got and now you're all crying about it <laughs> no i, I wanted to say i didn't like her i said i dis i don't dislike her but she's not like my favorite companion right off the bat i said i wanted forky and she was forky and then we get to the pilot and she threw all that forky shit out the window she's really pretty smart extremely mm -hmm. yeah She's going to college classes, not enrolled, like just for a hobby. Right? She's like that side super secret smart. Well, she works there. Yeah, she also, she works in the cafeteria. But she doesn't work she, in his class. No. She's really clever how she tries to distract. Like, I love the chip story where she just goes off on a tangent. And he's like, what does that have to do with you coming to my class? And she's like, I don't know. I thought we'd get somewhere with it. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Even figuring out the monster. Well, yeah. She's got some brains. Although it was all rooted in like sci-fi movies and she just knew of things because of like normal sci-fi sci trope type things. But she remembers things unlike me who's the dummy. Same. So she's smarter than me. Congratulations. <laughs> Bill, not Jill. Bill and Jill. <laughs> Bill smart, Jill dumb. 
No. <laughs> Sorry, I kicked over my humidifier and there's water all over the place. What are we talking oh, about? No. <laughs> Jake Dumb. For how unique the monster is, I was kind of bored. What? Wait, talk <sighs> about the uniqueness of the monster. It's Waters a of, of a Mars. Ship. I thought the same Yeah, but thing. she's hot. Yeah. <laughs> And not before she's drenched. And it's traveling between time and space. That's crazy. Did they not watching Doctor Who though? (laughs) Did they not get enough of the water dripping in Waters of Mars? They had to bring it back. But they all but they didn't have in Waters of Mars the standstill drifting towards Bill in the in the field. That was was creepy. I liked that. That was really cool. What they did with CGI was pretty incredible, especially on that the new world on the other side of the universe. Yeah. yeah. What they did with like the plants and stuff. Uh, it was nice. It wasn't a quarry. They even what they did with Heather and her human self versus her taken over by a alien self, whatever monster, I guess, self. They did a really good job of portraying that difference. Like just like the subtle like makeup differences. Yeah. It's really well done. Did she have Normal eyes is the pilot, Heather? Or did she still have star eye? She still had star eye. Oh, did she? Yeah. Jake, okay. in the beginning, is that Bill's song when she walks into his office and is sitting there? Does she have a song? Is that her song? I don't know the answer to that. I'm really bad with songs. But there are it a couple like, in this story that are very important. There, her, If it is her song, it was kind of fun like i thought of it as being very beautiful but also awkward which i kind of think is her i can should go listen to it i can get on board for that hmm. are you a little okay this time with her jean jacket <laughs> the patches <laughs> are hilarious but there's, that's 100% the only reason they put her in that jacket is for that, so that she would have something asymmetrical oh, on her body. Yeah. <laughs> is the asymmetrical thing a, a thing? or no, yeah, the, the, the puddle, puddle, dude. Oh, I see. Could have, instead of having the jacket, they could, like, she wore many headbands with, like, something on it, so she could have right. been wearing she had a heart yeah. in her hair. Yeah. Yeah. It is really smart that, like, Heather has this defect in her eyes, so mm-hmm. she realized it immediately because she's, it's the first thing she looks at every time she looks at herself How? in the mirror as anyone with a birthmark would. How do you not notice the part in your hair being on the opposite side? Eh, I, that would probably be me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, it's like, you have looked in a million mirrors in your life you wouldn't just think like, oh, I better really check this out. <laughs> like you're, you just mirrors or mirrors. You just move on. So I have a question about the Heather star. Uh, Sam, are we open for questions? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Terry. <laughs> cool. um, so I'm wondering if uh, Heather is not going to turn into a ongoing story throughout this season uh, I don't know why, but at the end of it, the doctor said, maybe we'll see her again. We don't know. So I'm just wondering if like that star motif is just going to show up in other episodes following Bill. And it was a very emotional, like letting her go or breaking the promise, you know, letting go of the promise. Mm-hmm. So I think you're onto something, Terry. I mean, I hope you are. Are you they thinking saw each other in a bar once? Are you are you thinking it's going to be like uh, like Saxon and like Saxon? um 
posters in the background. Like you're just going to be looking in the background for stars. <laughs> I was yeah. about to say like a much more obvious one, like the crack every episode. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I thought there was a crack. Like as soon as we saw the puddle from underneath, I was like, is this the crack? I really like the shot where Bill's like running around the corner because uh, it's like the second time she's met Heather at the puddle and she gets there and Heather's gone. And then all of a sudden the camera just zooms over to the puddle and Heather's in there screaming. Yeah. Ooh, that so was creepy. spooky. Kooky spooks. 100%. They did have really good CGI. It was creepy in, in that moment. And then also on the, uh, the alien planet when Bill was looking oh, when it grabs her face. Well, when okay, it just, when yeah. it comes up like to look at her, Oh, I that hate was so that. creepy. So much when she grabs her face. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it almost looked like it was stretching I her just face don't like too. It. Right. Okay, because this... it scared you or because it did it's just creepy. I don't like creepy. So this might be why I don't like this episode. I don't like creepy. It's not oh, my thing. So you don't creepy. like it because it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> it's too creepy. Multifaceted. <laughs> really just not my thing. I really thought every time the puddle formed into Heather, it, it was amazingly done. And they yeah. did it like they never panned away. Yeah. Oh, they, they didn't show her legs <laughs> or the puddle. It's just, it's her standing up with water coming down. But like the how part... they would emerge her face and stuff from it. It was amazing. Yeah. When Bill looks through the drain and sees her. Sees the eye. Well, the just, just that whole cool. scene where she gets home and the yeah. bath is running. And then her uh, foster mom yeah. calls and she's like oh i'm nigel's foe (laughs) whatever is yeah Uh, do you recognize that lady she we've seen her before no no all right we'll talk about it later but why would you touch the bath water like right why why would you bend over and look down the shower (laughs) drain when she's touching him like stopping her thoughts of something actually being there or not man back to the puddle my favorite part was when they were over Bill's shoulder and you could see the back of Bill Bill's head and then her reflection and you could tell that it was not a reflection, it was opposite. And that when I watched it the second time was just so eye-opening of what you miss the first time around. I missed it every time. <laughs> yeah, because it's easy to miss. Right. Are we done with Heather's stuff? Okay. My problem with this episode, they saw each other in a bar one time. And then oh, they, was, like, yeah. bonded over a puddle. So you already said that. I was going to respond. I don't think that that's the implication. I think the implication is that they had a night together. Um, oh. Because the next time she sees her when she's sitting on a bench, she's like, oh, hey, and just walks up to her and starts talking. But not in, like, a friendly way in a, <laughs> oh, hey, remember that one time we had, like, an intense like i i don't want to Go say on. hook up but but Go maybe on. it seems like that at least like an intense night together and but to the point where it's like you're not friends like you wouldn't like they didn't call each other the next day but Hold she's on. like oh didn't, hey i see you're sad didn't she refer to her later as my friend like the last time seeing my friend or something like that she specifically calls her her friend well because she's not like they're not she, dating well she hasn't told yeah Right, I'm but, friends with a lot of people I had sex with. <laughs> but you wouldn't like you wouldn't refer to someone that you just like casually bumped into as your friend. Yeah, but you also wouldn't tell your professor like, "Oh, that's that chick I fucked." I suppose. I I also would argue that 
in that scene of like the like the club or whatever it was in like a montage of several days so it could have been several days of them hanging out or well i think it was a montage of several days i think it was a montage of an evening well that one but then there was every time uh like after she became the tutor or no the doctor was a tutor it like had a bunch of like bunch of times where she was like flipping chips handing them out and then she would do like a night scene and then she was flipping chips again and then you know. right but every i think every shot back to that bar scene where they meet i think is a reminder to the audience of their relationship okay. like i think it's really ham-fisting it to the morons hmm. right. just be like hey remember this girl it's been eight minutes I'm the moron because I feel like they could have had a more intimate montage. Like even just not one location to show that they knew each other for more than just one night. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like windswept and exciting and just kind of like like love at first sight kind of, you know, or lust at first sight maybe. Just kind of like really intense and and brief. That's what this whole episode was based around, was their intense relationship, and I didn't get it at all. So that would explain why I don't like this episode. But it's also something we see very often, which is um, technology gone wrong. So, I mean, that's a big Doctor Who trope. It's a big science fiction trope. So the technology of the uh, the ship, the liquid, the water, is has chosen Heather because she wants nothing more than to leave. But because Heather's last living moment was this moment with Bill, where Bill says, don't leave without me, she's stuck. Because this technology run amok can't interpret that in a way that makes sense. Yeah, It's missing to mm. me. We have, we have found the root of my problem with this episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they did love each other enough on screen. <laughs> Doing the research for this episode, there was a rumor that there was like a tasteful bedroom scene that mm-hmm. had been shot and oh. and left out but uh there's never been any evidence of that not i will find I, the fanfic not <laughs> that i think it needs it but i think it needs something more than what it had we have talked about heather and bill i feel like enough now let's talk about the doctor what'd y'all think of the doctor in this story doctor's great he's great he's always great he didn't seem mopey like i'm used to seeing the doctor mopey you know That's, yeah like when he's, he's nardole though how can you be mopey with nardole very true <laughs> He, he had a purpose. He was doing something outside of what the audience knows. So, like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Was was there a point of the uh, bolt falling out of Nardole? He's got yeah, a robot body. It's to imply that the doctor has done something to give him a body and that it's not 100% organic. I was like, they, they said that. And then he also talked about it, and then also all the squeaking. Like, they got that. See, they got that point across, but they couldn't get the love story that they needed across. Yeah, but you can't assume that somebody watching this episode would have watched either of the last two Christmas specials. It's not even relevant to the story right now, or ever, maybe. But he is relevant to the season. Like, you do need to introduce Nardal. 
Yeah. You got time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe we'll get some more. What the, is the cave thingy? You mean the vault? Yeah, that. Well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Okay, so it is coming I out. I figured that would come back. Good. <laughs> no, it, wasn't it would never <laughs> go back. It's just the main focus of the Doctor and Arnold, this whole story, and then it never comes up again. Well, That'd be amazing the first time, Jake. Literally did not even notice it until Jake talked about it at the beginning of the episode. I was like, oh, maybe that is important. It's the whole reason the Doctor is at this school. Hmm. For, and for you, you brought up the years. fact that he's been a... Yeah, you brought up that he's been a professor for 70 years. That yeah. thing is why. He's, he said, I'm undercover. I promised I wouldn't leave. I made a promise that I would stay here. I was disappointed with the doctor in this episode. Like, well, I just I didn't feel like he was uh, as sharp as he has been in the yeah. past. Like, he was just incredibly slow with figuring stuff out. Like, his energy was just low. Altogether. Oh. For me, he is a driving force in episodes to keep the energy moving. And I was not getting that from him at all. I appreciate you bringing that up because this is something I was going to say about 10 minutes ago and just forgot. But what is great about this episode is that, like in Rose, this episode is about the companion. And Moffat, I read a lot of interviews today about, or from Moffat, about this series. And he very specifically says in a lot of interviews that the companion is the main character. And what I really like about this is that we are experiencing the story from the point of view of Bill. Like, we'll get plenty of Doctors as the series goes on, but this is Bill's story. Yeah. So that explains why the Doctor's a little bit, uh, not the limelight, not the super up in the air, energetic guy. But to that he point, I, I think like he is, he's just not doing it in front of the audience. Cause um, like, remember when Bill was like walking up to the building and then you see the doctor like motioning at Nardal to like hurry up and he was like being all kind of doctory. Like that's all stuff that we don't see. And it, it was like, yeah, it's like the doctor's trying to keep it together in front of Bill. So it's like, so he's being quote unquote normal, you know? The doctor's also, although it maybe isn't, um, super forward is also he never seems like he is not in control like even when they're running everything he does seems like it has a purpose and he's investigating and learning and even though we're experiencing it from bill's point of view he still and this this is the other point i want to bring across not just that it's from the companion's point of view but that we're if you're the first or if this is the first episode you've ever seen, the doctor is mysterious again, like with, like it was with um, Eccleston and maybe even with tenants first season. Um, but we, with Matt Smith, we are like that story is from the point of view of Matt Smith a lot of the time. And we know everything about him. And so far we've, it's been very similar with Capaldi because we had a companion that already knew him before he regenerated. And so, this is kind of resetting the series and making the doctor a mystery, which is how the show began in 1963. Okay. I think my problem then was I didn't get a reminder 
of the break. So I didn't put my mind in that mindset of like, right. oh, I'm just starting a brand new show altogether. Right. Yeah. We watched an episode last week and yeah, it's it's way different doing it this way. That is the downfall of our medium, the way we're doing right. it. Less of that pomp and circumstance. <laughs> oh, my God. The doctor's back. Thank you. Yeah, we could have just been on Reddit wondering what was going to happen for 17 months. <laughs> well, thank God we avoided that struggle. Oh, it was so bad. Everyone on Reddit's the worst. Take that, Reddit. Add us. Married to who at gmail.com. <laughs> There's one more thing I want to ask you guys about the doctor's portrayal in this story. Is that I think... And this really just occurred to me this time watching this, that Capaldi has changed his performance and that the doctor is different. He's more flamboyant and goofy Mm -hmm. and kind of like distracted and like nicer. And you can, you can kayfabe that by saying, you know, his experiences with Clara and river have changed him. But also with a large break and a soft reboot, it might just be like, well, you know, the doctor can just be this now. Yeah. I like to think it was his experiences in life that like brought him to how he is. Uh, 24 years with River just made him a better man. I mean, but it'd make anyone a guys... better man. <laughs> it even makes Sam a better man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Sam's already the best man. (laughs) While watching this, did you guys pick up on the doctor kind of being different? Did he feel different or was it just doctor is normal for you? No, he was different. With him just being a background character and not really being a main focus, I didn't really pick up on it. Like he, he was nicer to her and wasn't like just immediately questioning. It's like he immediately invited her into the story, which is different for the doctor. But with just not seeing much of him, I just didn't get a huge, huge connection to that. I think it was the doctor's speech pattern for it was so different compared to his normal rattling off. Yeah, and I agree. Rattling of, like, like his was very toned down and normal that, I mean, for teaching for 70 years, too, I suppose, would do that. But at the same time, it. Yeah. He felt like a completely different person. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. Like, do you think that's part of just the situation he's in where he's performing a role? Or do you think it's he's his life is different and he's just calmed down? And he because, you know, his relationship or his interactions with Nardal and Bill seem more jocular and easygoing than he was initially with Clara and anytime with anybody else. I think he lost his edge when Clara left. She was his edge. She just gave him all the reasons to be really mean. <laughs> I will be really disappointed <laughs> if we don't see a another like dark Capaldi episode though because those are so well done they are I really like dark Capaldi this coming off of two rompy episodes I don't think I like noticed anything different I was just like it's it's kind of the doctor but I'm dumb 
So well, and that's my excuse. I've never thought about it before, but just rewatching it today, it really struck me that Capaldi's performance is different than it has been. And I'm just asking you guys because maybe I'm insane and I'm just looking for something to talk about. I'm hoping that it's because he's undercover at this school to mm-hmm. figure out that vault. Yeah. And, and that it's persona. Well, uh, the point of series uh, eight was that, you know, he didn't know if he was still the doctor. And at the end of that series, he realizes that he is. And this could just be a progression of that, where he's becoming more like versions of the doctor that we're more used to. His hair is definitely longer. Yeah. And, and yeah. way better. <laughs> I'm, I'm also wondering if it's like part of the um, long time it's been that Capaldi's had to play the doctor. Like there was a large yeah. break there. So maybe just as an actor, he's just excited and well, happy I wouldn't, there. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say no? that it's it's a I wouldn't say it's a consequence of him not having acted the doctor for a while. I would say it's more over the time off him and Moffat talking about the direction they want the doctor to go in and making a conscious decision to perform it differently. That probably makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't give Capaldi so little uh you know, creativity that he's just accidentally doing this by being out of practice. So I'm kind of getting the vibe here that this is what the doctor is going to be for the rest of the season. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I just, and this series is not one I particularly rewatch a lot. Um, Judging by Twitter and our Twitter friends, uh, this is a lot of people's favorite season. And it's, it's just not mine, which doesn't mean it's not good, but I really like the last season. And so when I do go back and watch Capaldi stuff, it tends to be stuff from the season we've just finished. But there is, so I'm, I'm a little, there are episodes in the season where I don't have a lot of uh, rewatches. And also the further we go, the more recent all of these are. And there will be episodes I've only seen once just because we're not 10 years old anymore where you know this happened in 2015 yeah we're We're gonna teach jake new things (laughs) we always do sorry this happened in 2017 (laughs) (laughs) can i bring up my one beef with this episode please all right my one beef is that so you know bill takes on this monster figures it out experiences it whatever goes through the whole thing where she has to let it go that's all fine and dandy and it's totally relatable to the doctor like she's seen it jump through time and space and you know across universes whatever the universe i guess and it's foreign to her i mean not completely because she understands sci-fi but it's uncomfortable it's her first experience but then she just goes with the doctor willingly like, without really asking questions and being like, how are you safe? She knows he's not human, and she just is okay with it. And that's really my only beef with it, with the whole episode. That is a good point. From what she's seen, he's the same thing as that. How long has he been her tutor? She has that strong connection with him from before 
he was even her tutor of looking up to him as an idol. And then he takes her on and they go through this adventure and he kind of helps save her, even though it wasn't a dangerous area. He was there to help. So I can see the trusting relationship building throughout this episode of the two. Right. And I think it's suggested that it's almost been an entire school year. Like we saw them have Christmas and oh yeah, the weather, right. the weather go warm. <laughs> like it's, it's clearly like springtime at the end. That's all true, but he's still, uh, it's new information that he's not human. Right. But again, like, uh, like you brought up and I'm glad you brought this up because I meant to, is that this character, Bill, like has a knowledge of science fiction. And so when she sees things, she's like, oh, I know what that is. Whereas I've personally have complained so many times about companions, like not having the smallest grasp on time travel. It's like, if you saw <laughs> any Bill and Ted or Back to the Future movie, you would know the, like the simplest concept. Yeah. But they all, but they have to ask dumb questions for the audience. It's just nice to have a companion who's like, you know, I understand the lingo because I, I just, I read sci-fi or watch movies. You just really blew my mind. Like, are there people out there that really don't, I know that there's people that don't watch TV or watch movies, so maybe. Well, we talked about this a long time ago, and this is something Chris Chibnall gets uh, kind of unfairly chastised for, is he brings on a lot of young, new writers in his Doctor Who, which you'll learn one day. But in <laughs> in Russell T. Davies' book, he says that like he would hire people that had a working knowledge of science fiction. Because if he, if if you work for, let's say I'm RTD, if you work for me and I come up to you and say, oh, I, I want this to be like that scene in Terminator 2 where this and this happens. And you just go, oh, I, I didn't see that. I don't know what you're talking about. RTD would be like, oh, we can't work together. Because <laughs> like, that's <laughs> how he talks. And that's how he visualizes his thoughts. And so he would hire people that have a working knowledge of science fiction because that's how he expresses himself interesting it makes sense like if you're working with someone on a creative project and they have no creative insight from where you're coming from it would be very right. difficult to work well, with you, you, you don't hire a this... plumber to build <laughs> well, a wooden structure even if that writer might be a very good writer if you're running the show you still need to be able to speak the same language right like you just need to say, I need this to have this feeling. And you're like, oh, it's like when this happened to this thing. And they're like, well, I don't know what that is. Either that writer can go, I'll run home and watch it and tell you what I think. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. Or you could be like, well, let's just part ways. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things I want to talk about. Just about the stylistic choices in the story. Uh, first of all, the pictures of River and Susan on the doctor's desk are the that's best. I, I pointed it out to Jill and she's like, oh, cool. Yeah. So that's the doctor's granddaughter. That's Susan. You guys wouldn't know her, but. Uh, oh, thank God. Somebody explained that then. That was just, what? I couldn't figure it out. I was like, am I supposed to know this lady? Who is that? Uh, it's you a could time just girl. listen to Married to Who. <laughs> I, I mean, Brothers and Who. Uh, have we done. A Susan, yeah, we did. We've done a couple of Susan stories. 
Uh, also, in his little like pencil holder, he just has all of the sonic screwdrivers that the doctor's ever had. So like all the classic yeah. screwdrivers are in there. I did not see that. I was too busy trying to figure out who that lady was. Well, he, he gives he gives one to Nardal later on to use against the Daleks. To run interference, he, right? As a distraction. Yeah, he's just like blowing up computer terminals. It just looked like a Nardal uh, screwdriver as well. That's what because I never noticed what screwdriver. Like he could pull out a screwdriver from the ninth doctor <laughs> and be like, "Oh, look, his same screwdriver." I have no idea. Another thing I want to bring up. I really like. I get mad at Moffat's writing sometimes. Like I, I love Moffat's plots. Obviously, making a puddle scary is amazing. But uh, he, there's two things I want to bring up. One, when Bill is talking about the girl that she was into and she kept giving chips and she's like, I fatted her. Yes. Uh, I was going to say story. that earlier, There's... but no, you were on your uh, rant about how we can't interrupt each other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember. I remember you starting it. Uh, but she goes, you know, she was pretty like a model, but with talking and thinking. And I was yeah. like, fuck it. That's such a Moffat line. Like he is <laughs> such <laughs> such derision for certain cultures. Like I'm sure there's models who are smart. <laughs> uh, I like but, that line. <laughs> but also, I really like the double speak that he does between Bill and Heather after she's the pilot, where Heather's always repeating what Bill says. But everything Bill says that she's repeating can be interpreted as a dialogue between two people, which yes. that's the definition of dialogue. <laughs> but uh, like when she says, you know, you're dead. And then Heather says, you're dead. Like they're, she's just repeating, but it has a different connotation because she's the evil. And then it all comes together at the very end when Bill says goodbye, Heather, and then Heather finally says goodbye, and then huge pause, Bill. And then it's like, oh shit, it was conscious the whole time. Yeah, that part threw me off. I was like, wait a second. I like it. I did like that part. That was good. Yeah, all that, all that spoopy stuff with Heather was great. It was spoopy. I really liked uh, the doctor's um, professor outfit, and then when they showed the TARDIS, the inside, for the first yes. time, that scene. when And then he goes and gets his other jacket. Yes, he changes his jacket. Oh, my goodness. That, like, this is the first time I've seen this that I noticed his professor jacket has a blue lining. Yeah. Oh, I saw that right away. It was so sick. I, I did this time, but every other time, I don't. I have no idea what I was looking at. And it was long. <laughs> like, it was long, uh, kind of how yeah. um, Smith had his jackets sometimes. I also uh, liked <laughs> like when Bill finally turned around and like exclaimed that it was bigger on the inside and all that. <laughs> and like <laughs> the doctor and Nardo was like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This I love five. that part. And, and he even like, makes the comment it like yeah. it's taking longer or doesn't it seem like it's taking longer. <laughs> yeah. Cause Nardal was referring to Bill as it or this one. Like he never said like yeah. Bill or anything. Yeah, I think. What What do you guys think of Nardal now that we're three episodes in? Wait, we need to talk more about that scene. It was so good. Go ahead. So when she goes into the TARDIS and he's like, 
this will keep anything out. And she's like, it's made of wood and glass. Oh, she's like, and it has windows. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's what it is. And it has windows. She goes on to talk about all the sci-fi stuff and how he's not going to understand it. And the camera slowly pans back into the TARDIS as all of the lights come on. Best scene. Yeah, Lawrence Goff is definitely stealing from Rachel Dalloway with the TARDIS lights coming on. But then with the doctor coming in from the the right of the scene, putting the new jacket on. And then, like, I think my favorite line of the episode is him just saying, you're safe in here and you always will be. And it's just like, for the newcomer to the show, he's just defining what the TARDIS is. It's so cool. And then, like, really even good. even his uh, lecture... When he like finally got to his point and it, and he did, he spelt out TARDIS, and he and then he said it means life, and then later yeah, you learn that this this box is the TARDIS and this is his life, so cool. I, one of you, I'm trying to remember who. I think it was Jill. Started bringing up the point when the doctor went back in time to take pictures of Bill's mom for her. I think it was the doctor who left that whole box, right? That's pretty obvious. For sure. Has to have been. Yeah. Well, there's like the picture of him that he's in the mirror, so that's obvious. But there's also like a picture of her just like in the woods on a walking path. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> so did the doctor go there and be like, oh, hey, lady, can I take a picture of you? No, he courted her and <laughs> is Bill's dad. He's just part, part <laughs> of her friend, friend group. Okay. Who is Bill's dad? The doctor. <laughs> It just, there was nothing about him at all in the episode. Not okay. even a little bit. I want you to talk about the Doctor and Bill's relationship during Christmas time. Gets him a rug for a present. That was such a weird present. I don't <laughs> I know Bill if that's Bill is like... bad at giving gifts. That'd be a hilarious trope to carry along with a companion. Just being bad at giving gifts? Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, the doctor loved that rug. He did. So it wasn't bad. He moved the TARDIS for it. True. But also, like, that thing she got for her uh, stepmom? Uh, foster mom. I don't, she's not her stepmom. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. She's, she's either, like, yeah, she's a foster mom. Um, that thing was nice. <laughs> yeah. But her foster mom sucks. <laughs> <laughs> also, okay, why does one... she still live with her foster mom? Uh, she's poor. She hands out chips at a university. <laughs> but she sucks. And and Bill spends all of her money on dope-ass jackets and vintage t-shirts. Uh... True. One last thing. the When the doctor takes Bill to a dalek mavellan war to be in the hottest fire ever you guys don't know who the mavellans are but alex and i have recently watched a classic episode called destiny of the daleks where the daleks are fighting the mavellans and the mavellans win but it's a robot versus robot war which is bullshit because the Daleks aren't robots, but they got away from it in <laughs> 80s Doctor Who. Well, they were at an uh, impasse, right? That was the yeah. whole thing? Yeah. But there's there's a hundreds of years war going on between these two races. And 
Alex and I recently did that episode and I told him he has seen the Mavellans before. The only other time the Mavellans, who are super interesting and win that war against the Daleks, this is the only other time they appear in Doctor Who, which is utter bullshit because if you have a species that wins a war against the Daleks, then every other Dalek story should be about the Mavellans because they're way better. (laughs) And way cooler. They're just sexy robots that are kind of Jedi looking. Yeah. So in that, we need that 80s, in that 80s episode, they're just a bunch of like good looking people. Put a picture in the discord, Jake. They need to see this. It's so good. Did we finish talking about Nordahl and what we thought of him or did we tangent? Uh, I think everyone ran out of things to say. You do you, boo. I liked him more in this episode compared to last episodes. Yeah, we really didn't talk about him. I don't remember. Well, I asked, what did you think of Nardal in this, his third episode? And then you guys all started talking about something different. It's true. Yeah, that's what I mean, tangent. (laughs) Okay, go, Terry. I liked him a lot more. Like, he was not as stupid as he was in the first one. Like he just seemed like a blithering idiot in the first episode I ever saw him in. And like now it, it feels more like he has a purpose and he's better at what he is doing. So I, I liked him far better than originally. I think it's cute to see the doctor just like have a friend on board like he was coming from downstairs. Oh, he was pooping. That's gross. <laughs> yeah. But still, just like some pals hanging out. But yeah, if he's a robot, why is he pooping? <laughs> oh my god. Well, he's an android. I mean, yeah. he's a what's the one that's human and robot? Cyborg? Cyborg. Cyborg. But I mean, the only human part is his head. <laughs> yeah, that's where the food goes and his colon apparently. <laughs> It's just a straight line from the top to the bottom. (laughs) That's all organic. Everything else, not so much. All right, y'all want to do tweets? Tweet me. You do the song, dickhead. Tweet, 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 tweet me. Chris at This Emo Trash says, the monster for this episode was a puddle. A fucking puddle. (laughs) (laughs) The monster was a puddle, and it somehow actually worked. Not a day goes by where I don't appreciate Moffat's ability to take something so simple and make it scary. I loved Bill from the first moment compared to the previous companions, even just the Moffat era. She seems so simple in a good way. And I'm very okay with that. Not every companion has to be a mystery to solve. I find that because there needs to be a lot of setup as a soft reboot. The episode feels very slow. It takes about half an hour for the real action to start. And before you know it, the episode's over and I'm not left wanting more. But I also feel like not a lot has happened. I do love this episode and it sets up a great series. Nardal gets more to do here and shows he isn't just comic relief. It wouldn't be Doctor Who without some arbitrary story arc. So the what's in the vault is the mystery this time. Oh, he brings up something I meant to bring up and forgot. Clara's theme playing when Bill tells the doctor to imagine what it'd be like when getting his mind wiped is so sad and poignant, Mm. but works perfectly in this situation. Love this episode. My favorite episode of all is coming in this series, so I can't wait. Nice. It's a really good point about the companion not needing to be a puzzle. I think that's it kind of makes her different. It's like, here's who she is. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. Don't have to figure yeah, out really Clara. She's just a person, and the doctor picked her. Like he's 
doing his class and he's just like that person's interesting i want to get to know her yeah and and not with the intention of traveling with her but just of helping her Mm -hmm. and then because this thing happens and he has to then he's like well that was kind of fun let's what do you say let's just do this uh that's also a good point that chris brought up with um the pace of the episode and maybe that's why i might like it a lot is because it's kind of a slow burn. Like it, it goes and it, there's like kind of a lot of background context to me, at least that you would maybe want to watch it a couple of times to kind of fully understand everything. But yeah, I, I really like the pace in this one. It, it wasn't just like a pedal to the metal type episode. Yeah. And the other thing Chris brought up, which I intended to bring up is when the doctor attempts to, erase bill's memory and she says okay but imagine how you would feel if this was done to you in that moment the music transitions seamlessly into clara's theme and it's amazing and i just remember didn't even notice that oh it's so good go back and watch it because the way murray gold does it is so good and in the moment all of us nerds on the internet were so blown away by it that it's all we talked about. Like the whole episode could have just been like two monkeys fucking, but because they did that, the internet was like, "You, you guys are good. Let, we'll see you next week." <laughs> More monkeys, no problem. Keep up the good work. Yeah, I need somebody to curate these things for me because I just there's no way I would have ever picked up on that. Well, that's what our Twitter friends are for. Speaking of Ode underscore Ali at Ode underscore Ali prefaces by apologies for the leg so here we go (laughs) this is the start of one of my absolute favorite series of who the team of 12 bill and nardal is magnificent and this episode sets them all up so well as well as the mystery of the vault the doctor as a lecturer is an incredible idea and it only really been touched on before the teacher role that he tends to take works so well when he actually is a teacher and his lectures sum him up rambling and completely off the point but so gripping and i love that bill meets the doctor because he was curious about her and not because of some overarching reason or mystery bill is one of my favorite companions not just the 12s but of all the companions and this is such a strong introduction to her i love that we get more proper queer representation she's treated the same as any other character and she seems so realistic getting scared at heather's appearances and having what i think is the most realistic reaction to traveling in the TARDIS, awestruck but needing to actually go and calm her nerves too. Her curiosity comes through the performance so well from her scenes learning from the Doctor, but especially on the Mavellan ship, figuring out why Heather was following them and when the Doctor couldn't figure it out, being savvy enough to recognize a mind wipe when the Doctor tries it, and Pearl plays the emotion of her scenes so well. Uh, her scenes with Heather and the final scenes, Nardal just gets better with every appearance. I know in his first Fs he could be a little annoying, but I really like him. The idea of him being the doctor's assistant rather than a companion is shown so well, and he plays the cutting sarcastic comedy really well. The scene of him blowing up the control boxes is brilliant slapstick comedy too. The episode works so well as an introduction to the show for new fans while still being full of references to Pasu, and the return of the Movellans is such a deep cut into Classic Who. It's a lot lighter than how 12's been before, and I think it's better for it. 
I like when 12 gets silly, especially the lemon drops line and the fact that he runs like a penguin with his arse on fire. <laughs> I love those two. And my favorite part of this story is when he he drops that lemon drops line on that uh, planet and Nardo goes, you know, you can really be so silly sometimes. And the doctor just has like this little smirk and yep. kind of looks up and to the left. I yep. fucking love it. It's good. Capaldi is so good. Odali goes on. While it's not silly, I really like the scene with the doctor talking to the TARDIS, River, and Susan. Just a small but really great moment. I, I agree with that. Uh, the idea of a villain that isn't actually villainous has been done before, but it's done so well here. And the whole story being a love story, albeit an unfortunately misunderstood one, is, is a really lovely genre story idea that gets so deep and emotional. I imagine it's already in your fun facts, but the reason behind Bill and Heather's name is so wonderful to me. It is, and not in the way he thinks. The mysteries of the vault and the doctor's promises are played so well, hinting just enough to intrigue us without giving too much away. And I'm very curious what y'all think so far. I really like this episode, this season as a whole, and I'm very excited for what y'all think and for what's to come. And thank you for what was said on the husband's app. You know, it was only a little, but meant a lot. I don't know what we said, but I'm sure it was great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the what and then he puts a parenthesis and hopefully the podcast will get off the ground soon we said something about him starting a podcast oh yes yeah. yeah oh yeah ollie do your fucking podcast i want it and i will listen to every goddamn episode yeah. chris at this emo trash eventually responded to one of those and saying oh i forgot to mention in my tweets but this is my favorite introduction to the tardis and is played brilliantly yeah. And speaking about the TARDIS, when they were talking about how it was brought in by a crane, and then Bill was like, You had to bring <laughs> this in by a crane. And then it's like a pan shot to the floor, and it's like just the floorboards. I don't understand. What was the point of that there, shot? It's showing. Yeah, it's showing that the rug isn't there, so that when the rug is there, you can see that the TARDIS has moved. Oh, didn't it's, get that. I'm it's dumb. giving the audience an establishing shot so that when it's different in the future, it's different. Huh. All right. We react podcast at we react podcast. It's a great podcast. It's um at needs more yarn. Well, the podcast is we react podcast. That's Riley and his grands react to the latest podcast of Doctor Who. They also do a lot of other stuff. Uh movies and other sci-fi stuff and other time travel stuff and it's great they're uh as adorable as hell but the we react podcast says i love this season opener bill is an absolute delight watery heather is proper creepy and the doctor is intriguing why is he staying in one place what's in the vault i love the doctor's physics lectures the doctor actually spends time with a person before taking her on as a companion they spent christmas together she bought him a rug he took all those photos and then her favorite line verbatim, imagine all the moments of your life laid out in front of you like a city. And then she says in parentheses, I think about this often. That was such an interesting concept. Like how do you even, it's not something that I can even fathom in my brain. It's too. <laughs> it reminds me of the quote unquote internet shot of in hackers 
Yes, when, that's when that, exactly what I was yeah, going to say. Like, that's what it, that's what that visual gives me is that scene <laughs> with just like buildings uh, of data. Me and my dumb brother are the same person. <laughs> All right, what do we do next? MVP? Nope, fun facts. Alex, give me that fun facts theme song. We're going to have some fun in the fun the facts. We're going to have some fun with the fun facts. Okay, so we already talked about Clara's theme playing over Bill uh, asking the doctor to think about what it would be like if his mind were erased, which is beautiful. But there's another musical reference. When Amy is first introduced to the TARDIS in the 11th hour, a song plays that is called The Madman with the Box. And in this story, when Bill is introduced to the TARDIS, there is a less happy, less fairy tale version of that same song called The Sad Man with the Box. Whoa. That's really good, uh, like, naming scheme. I like it. <laughs> oh, if you... <laughs> If you really get into the weeds of Murray Gold's song title choices, it gets crazy. Like, he'll have the same song and give it eight different names over the course of time. I love it. Uh, Bill's phone has a ringtone, which is the same as Martha's ringtone. Oh, that's what I was... Sorry. Remember that one for trivia. That's certainly on a card. (laughs) So one of the tweets brought up the the fun Easter egg of the names of Bill and Heather. This is because the first doctor, William Hartnell went by Bill and his wife is named Heather. So it's a fan theory, oh. fun fact that Stephen Moffat named her and her would be girlfriend after William Hartnell and his wife. It's not true. Uh, Stephen Moffat has said in interviews that that was just a coincidence uh, he said in an, in an interview with the Radio Times that the reason he named this companion Bill was because during the 50th anniversary, he heard David Tennant call Billy Piper Bill, and he just thought that was like a really cool name. <laughs> hmm. Stephen Moffat's dad is also named Bill. So <laughs> for Stephen Moffat to have never put that together is weird. But I'm sure just hearing like a man call a girl Bill, it just like flicked something in his head. And so like that's what he went with. He's like, Bill, that has to like, happen. It's the chillest name in the world. Like every time <laughs> right. you think of like a down home shop, it's like there's a Bill somewhere. Or if you have a problem, you're like, hey Bill, take a look at this. Bill is the comfort food of names. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like to look at all the actors, see if they've been in Doctor Who before or if they've been in Star Wars, Game of Thrones, or Harry Potter. As with most Stephen Moffat stories, there's not a large cast in this story. Uh, so here's what I got. Jennifer Hennessy, who played Moira, who is Bill's guardian, also was Valerie in Gridlock, the lady who fucked a cat. Yeah. Oh... <laughs> so like the nice. car and gridlock with Brannigan. Oh, yeah. Oh. She's the human woman. Yeah. Good for her. Holy shit. And a tribute to her acting ability, cute as a fucking button in that story. And now a mere 10 years later, super hateable. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. That's the range you get. And then there were because in those university scenes, or like when the doctor's teaching. 
there's a billion people. There's a lot of kids who slap their names on IMDb as an uncredited performance. And those are normally my favorite ones, but a bunch of the ones I was reading today just made me sad, so I didn't write any of them down. Boom. Oh, no. Alex, even that MVP theme song. We got our MVPs. Here are our MVPs. Sam, who's your MVP? Mm. Bill? I don't know her real name. Pearl Mackey. Pearl Mackey. Well, I will jump on that and say she is mine as well. Jill? I'm going with the writer, which is, uh, remind me, please. Stephen Moffat. Oh, okay. I kind of thought so, but. (laughs) He writes all the premieres and finales. He runs the show. All of them? Rule number one. Or during his time, which, uh, is now terry i'm going with nardal matt lucas matt lucas cody pearl Mackey, hands down alex i'm gonna go with the director hands up that was lawrence hands down there were there were some really cool shots and even even in that shot on the other planet like i i said out loud jill can contest is like that's a really cool shot (laughs) What's it happened? 99% CGI, which I don't know if the director has anything to do with. <laughs> it was just cool. Like, just to get that. And then also the TARDIS scene where they, like, reveal that. Like, it's just, yeah. there were some really good shots. That was plagiarism. <laughs> well, his last name is G-O-U-G-H. I'm assuming it's Goff. I don't know. It is now time for everybody's favorite podcast game. The Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit slash Doug Benson movie game game in which I ask each one of these mooks a Doctor Who question from the Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit. They each get a chance to go first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. If the first person gets it wrong, the second person gets four multiple choice options. If they get it wrong, the second person gets a guess from the remaining, and so on and so on. The order this week is Alex, Terry, Cody, Sam, Jill. Get ripped, nerds. Alex. Jake. Who gave Amy and Rory a prayer leaf that translated their daughter's name, Melody Pond, into the name she knew her by, River Song? You're you're asking for the specific name of this person? Yes. I can see her. <sighs> Fuck. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> Do a Terry guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say Melody. I can Terry. Oh. No. Yes. Who gave Amy and Rory a prayer leaf that translated their daughter's name, Melody Pond, into the name she knew her by, River Song? Was it Edwin Bracewell, Sophie Owens, Rosanna Calvieri, Lorna Bucket? I think I know who it is. What was the second name? Sophie Owens. I'm going to go with that one. Sophie Owens. Incorrect. Cody. No. Even though I think this is the name of somebody from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, (laughs) I'm going to go with Lorna Bucket. That's correct. She's the one that ran with the doctor. And she's also from 
uh, a planet. She's from the planet, right? That, that has the language. She's from yeah the forest. Yeah, the yeah planet of the forest, and because river and song. Yeah, Terry, it is your turn to go first. Cody has one point. In forty-two, what trivia question about the Beatles and Elvis is on one of the SS Pentalion's door seals? Oh man, good luck. I'm sorry. I'm looking for the the question for the seal. Yep. What was the question? Uh oh man. I think it was. Oh no. Was there a date in there? Uh, oh no. I want to say it's um who who had the mo- highest who had the most top t- chart songs in a in a year or just the most no the most i'm just who had the most <laughs> top chart songs oh my god it's so bad but that's the <laughs> general idea of the question save him it's that it's that kid I, do, I'm sorry. do you know when when you when you can and then you can <laughs> terry i'm gonna need an answer that was my answer it's uh <laughs> um Terry, you're saying the, the just, question just most songs? No, <laughs> no. You're Who saying had the most all-time top chart songs, the Beatles or Elvis? What's what's top chart mean? <laughs> I don't know like, what the term is. Top Beal- Billboard, like we could not write stories. Cody, together. it is not- your turn. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> Cody. Jay. Your multiple choice are. Most pre-download number ones, most post-download number ones, most pre-download number tens. Sorry, most pre-download top tens, most post-download top tens. Most post-download number ones. Sam. Damn it. Wait, what did you say? In 42, what trivia question about the Beatles and Elvis is one of the SS Pentalion's door seals? Most pre-download number ones, most post-download number ones, most pre-download top tens, most post-download top tens. What did Cody say, though? That is for you to remember <laughs> and us or to know. Or here over Discord, post-download top ten. Jill. Pre-download top ten. Alex, Ugh. pre-download top one. <laughs> well, yeah, number ones. <laughs> Alex has one. Cody has that one. Cody, it is your question. turn to go first. Hot yeah. on Apple Apachia, the two Amys dance to what 1995 Euro pop hit by Los Del Rio. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't I post um, this one in the Discord? vigorously searching discord (laughs) (laughs) oh man i don't think i'm gonna get it i'm trying to think of any like euro pop dance song that i can think of uh all around the world give me those uh multiple choice jake your multiple choice are this is how we do it by montel jordan one Sweet Day by Mariah Carey. 
Roll to Me by Delamitri. Macarena by Los Del Rio. <laughs> Macarena? Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I... I, I kind of forgot when I started picking the multiple choice that the question has the band name in it. <laughs> I would almost vote for like a re a re question. Nope. Oh no. Welcome to the three way, uh, fi- the final three way question. Well, so far, Alex has a point. Cody has a point. Sam has a point. Sam, it is your turn to go first. Oh boy. What did the 11th Doctor do to a gravity globe in the Maze of the Dead to help rescue those trapped by the angels? Easy. <laughs> so easy. Please. No, no, I'm so far away from being able to answer. I don't remember. He. Threw it into the crack. Chill. Dang it. Your multiple choice are he punched it, he kicked it, he shot it, he ate it. Can you repeat the question? I can. What did the 11th Doctor do to a gravity globe in the maze of the dead to help rescue those trapped by the angels? Punch, kick, shoot, eat. Punch. Alex. He shoots it. Yeah. Alex has two. Cody has one. Uh, It's the Angel two-parter in Series 5. That had River Song in it, right? Yep. Is this the one where they're on the spaceship? The Byzantium. God, I do not remember that part of it at all. It was... uh, Wait, was that a two-parter? Hold on, did we say that? It, it was, was a yeah. two-parter. Yeah, that was sure. like the cliffhanger of the first part into the second part. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Alex has two, Cody has one, Sam has one. Jill, your chance to get on the board. In the stolen Earth, what creatures did the Doctor and Donna realize are returning to their home on Melissa Majoria? <laughs> Funny. I'm really good <laughs> with remembering names of things. Not... Uh, I don't know. Just skip me. It's better than faking a name. Alex, do you have a guess? Uh, what's what's the multiple choice? Is it the Jadoon? Is it bees? Is it Slavine? Is it Absorbalov? Hold on. What was the question? <laughs> I was thinking of something else then. In the stolen earth, what creatures do the Doctor and Donna realize are returning home on Melissa Majora, Majoria? Uh. Um, and, and give me the multiple choice again. Sorry. The Jadoon, the bees, the Slytherin. Sorry, the Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> the Slytherin, the Azorbalov. I'm going to go with the Slytherin. Terry. The bees? It's the bees. Okay. That was my second one. I, yeah. But then I just gave Alex the win anyway. You sure did. Alex has two. Terry has one. Cody has one. Sam has one. 
Okay, Terry, Cody, Sam, four. Come at four me, bro. Four chats in second place. Uh, what race cry Santar Ha before they enter battle? Santarans. Sam is the winner. Sam yeah. is second place. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. Oh, I will. Alex, give me that paper crumpling theme song. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Married to Who. If you'd like to participate with us in our social medias, you can do so. I have Married to Who Pod on Twitter, Married to Who on Instagram. You can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. If you want to listen to this podcast in any other way, then you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or on our website, Married to Who.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, and these here married, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and producer Terry, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Smile. <laughs>